here's the thing, eh? Um, today we talk about kingdom kindness. And go to John chapter 5. Son, did you bring me coffee? Yeah. Thanks, man. Go to John chapter 5, verses 1 to 8. John 5, 1 to 8. John 5, 1 to 8, and we read there that, um, um, let's start at verse 2. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades or porches. In this lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Guys, uh, do you know what the word Bethesda means? Probably at the bottom of the... Um, page. Bethesda means house of kindness. Bethesda means house of kindness. And it's a type of church. It's a type of the church. House of kindness. It's a type of the church. And if you were to take the parallel further, you'll find that not only is a type of the church, but every church must have a sheep gate, and the sheep gate in the temple was a gate through which they brought the lambs or sheep for sacrifice. Every church must have a sheep gate, uh, in the sense that it must be based on. I mean, it, it must acknowledge the sacrifice of the lamb, which allows us to then have the finished works released in a church. Everything that we sang about today, everything that you have become, everything you need for tomorrow, everything in the past that has been taken care of, everything that has been provided for in the future, everything, as in all the works that you need to live here on earth and in eternity, were provided by the singular sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's what makes everything available. Eh? The finished works of Jesus Christ are released in a church just because the lamb was sacrificed. That's how this works. And the second thing we need to realize is if there is a sheep gate, there are also, if you want to take the parallel further, there are five porches of five colonnades and I always see them as the offices appointed by Christ in the church. Offices appointed by Christ in the church, which is found in Ephesians 4, 11 to 17. Ephesians 4, 11 to 17. The five porches represent the offices appointed by Christ to, every, to the church, as in apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. Why? So that the church may be prepared for works of ministry. So that the church may be prepared for works of ministry. So every church has must have a sheep gate. Every church can have five porches. Bethesda is a house of kindness and it's a type of the church. And today all we are going to focus on is this whole idea of the house of kindness. The house of kindness. Because at the end of the day, you can have people who've gathered around the sacrifice of Christ. You can have equippers who equip the church. But the one thing or the avenue through which the kindness of God flows, sorry, the avenue through which the grace of God flows is always kindness. The channel through which the grace of God flows 
is always kindness. The channel through which the grace of God flows is always kindness. When he corrects you, it's always kindness. When he heals you, it's compassion and kindness. When he displays his power, it never um, destroys you. It is in the form of kindness. When he forgives your sin, it comes with kindness. When he lifts you up, he lifts you up gently. He's a gentle God. It's with kindness. Everything God does, he does through this avenue or channel called kindness. Which is why when you and I are not like that, we are, we are so distant from who God is, man. Because one of the things that God does everything in the world with is kindness. Doesn't matter whether it's sin, whether it's guilt, whether it's trials, whether it's triumph, whether it's lack, whether it's plenty. His approach to everything is through this singular channel of kindness. That's who he is, eh? So for a church to be called Bethesda is a great name because Bethesda is a house of kindness. What I'm trying to say is, guys, that one of the qualities that a church or a people should possess if they belong to God is this marvelous thing called kindness through which everything in us flows out. In fact, grace in a sense, means to act kindly. To be a friend who is disposed to forgiving offenses. Grace, in a sense, is to act kindly. And to be a friend who uh, is disposed to forgiving sins. And isn't that the nature of God? I know we talked about this, but go to Ephesians 2, 6 and 7. And every time I read it, ever since I found out, it blows my mind, man. Ephesians 2, verses 6 to 7. Ephesians 2, 6 to 7. And here's how I would write it down or break it down. Ephesians 2, 6 to 7. And God raised me, as in Jacob, up in Christ Jesus. That's the first statement. And God raised me, as in Jacob, up in Christ Jesus to do what? And seated me, Jacob, with himself. And seated me, as in Jacob, with himself. Where? In the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. For how long? Oh, uh, from in this age and in the age to come. So this is a forever thing. Why? Why? In order that, in order that he may show his incomparable riches, incomparable riches 
to incomparable riches again in Christ Jesus. Man, the Father is so into Christ Jesus. In order that he may show his incomparable riches in Christ Jesus to whom? To me. And how is this shown? It's always an intentionally expressed through his kindness. Comes back to this one word. Riches of his grace. So let's go over that again. It's fabulous. So here's my present condition. God has raised me Jacob, up in Christ Jesus. When Christ rose, Jacob rose with him. And God has raised me, Jacob, up in Christ Jesus. You put your own name there. And what has he done after that? He seated Jacob with himself. (laughs) We sing that song, unto him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. And somewhere there you'll find me too. Don't have a throne, but somewhere there (laughs) is Jacob too. So, and seated me, Jacob, with himself. Where? In the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Because I am hidden in him, I am found in him, my life is locked up in him. He's like a Swiss vault that I am in. When? In this age and in the age to come. It isn't just something reserved for the future. In this age and the age to come. Why? In order that God may show Jacob his incomparable riches of grace. As in, what did we say grace was? Everything that God is. Incomparable riches of grace in Christ Jesus. To show that to me. When? In this age and in the age to come. How does he show this grace to me? Always and intentionally, it's expressed through kindness. All grace is expressed to me through kindness. God is continuously kind. He says, Jacob, you want to experience my grace? Remember that I'm a kind God. My dealings with you are kind. My dealings with you are kind. You get As we go further, we'll get the hang of what, what, what can happen if we grasp this thing called kindness, guys. Not just in interpersonal relationships, but with God and you. Graham Cook always asks this question. Is God the kindest person you know? Is God the kindest person you know? And while Christians will say, yes, he is so kind, the answer is, usually not. Because my mind is not full of God being always kind. Half the time, guys, if God was always kind, I would stop running to some places that I go to to get my provision, my healing, my answers, my uh, comfort. I would stop doing that. Why do kids go to their mums, because usually the mums are slightly kinder than dads when they're growing up, and then the dads take over and become really kind. But why do kids run to their mum? Because they find that their mum is the kindest person on the face of the earth. Is God the kindest person you know? And while the correct answer is yes, the real answer is, I don't always necessarily think so. My mind is not full of him as the kindest person on earth. Because otherwise we wouldn't go anywhere else, eh? You always run to the kindest, most able and willing person there is. Yeah. One of the reasons God raised me up in Christ Jesus, according to Ephesians 2.7, is so that he can show me kindness. 
one of the reasons God raised me up to be seated with him in heavenly places is so that he can show me his kindness. It's what David did with Mephibosheth, man. What does David do? It's a type of exactly Ephesians 2, 6, 7. He goes, picks up Mephibosheth, who is his enemy's son. Mephibosheth's dad, Saul, was continuously pursuing Mephibosheth, pursuing David to destroy him. And what does David do? David goes, seeks out Mephibosheth and brings him and lifts him up and seats him where? At the table of the king. Why? So that for the rest of Mephibosheth's life, David the king can show Mephibosheth unlimited kindness. Man gives him land, says you will eat at my table for the rest of your days. What happened there was Ephesians 2, 6-7. Come Jacob, sit at my table for I want to show you kindness for the rest of your days. And as I show you kindness, you will eat of everything that I have for you in terms of grace. The banquet is grace. The invitation is one that is given out with great kindness. Saying, come son, sit at my table. Sit at my table. When we get the grasp of it, guys, we won't be afraid. And just like Mephibosheth's feet, which were lame, were covered under the table, your lameness and your defects will be covered under that table. No one despises you then, because they can't even see your lameness. Because it's under the table and it's covered. And you get to eat of his grace because he is kind. Your father is kind. Your king is kind. He's only kind. And the more we get this, the easier it will be to approach him. You won't want to get off that table, man. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Ephesians 2, 6, 7 is what happened that day with David and Mephibosheth? So in sin and in trials, in triumph and in lack and in plenty, guys, you are swimming in or surrounded by loving kindness. In sin, in the middle of sin, you're swimming in loving kindness because there is a prodigal father waiting to say, come son, waiting for you. The prodigal father I love calling him that, was an expression of kindness, guys. Or the, the word for kindness in um, um, Hebrew is uh, hesed, which is the same as loyal love. And so kindness will be, it, what I'm trying to get at is this, guys. Understand that you're swimming in or surrounded by loving kindness always. Understand that you're swimming in or surrounded by loving kindness always. Don't feel like it. Really don't care. The truth is, you're always swimming in or surrounded by loving kindness. You're always swimming in or surrounded by loving kindness. This is your 24-7 existence. Believe the truth, eh? Believe the truth. Even when he disciplines us, no correction from God is done outside the framework of kindness and honor. Thank God, eh? Even when he disciplines me, he does it with kindness and honor, not with shame and anger. What did we sing earlier on? That 
my shame he has taken away. How? By being shamed as a man hung naked on a tree. My pain and all that stuff he took away. How? He became that. I'm swimming in loving kindness. I'm surrounded by loving kindness. This is the truth. Imagine you being alive about 600 years ago when they insisted that the world was flat. And you actually believed it because the church preached it too. And anybody who dared to say that the world was round was thrown out of the church. Now, you could have believed for about 80 years of your life the world was flat because everybody else believed it. But who cares? You were still wrong. But I really feel the world is flat. How? Uh, Whenever I walk, I never fall off the side. Great, but it's still a falsehood. The truth is the world is round. Here is the truth. You are continuously surrounded by loving kindness and you are swimming in it 24-7 because you are hidden and found in Christ. Therefore, if your world is flat, it's not true. We got to make these adjustments here, eh? It's contractual. I mean, his kindness is contractual, contractual or covenantal, as in, hey, Jacob, I've chosen forever to be kind to you. I, 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 I'm, I, I'm making a covenant with you now, Matt says, God, I'll be kind to you all your life. It's contractual. It's loyal, fiercely loyal. God is a very loyal person. eh? It's natural. God doesn't have to come up with it. Uh, not feeling kind this morning. No, it's natural for him. He is kind. It's limitless. There's never a time when God is going to run out of kindness. Nothing about him is exhaustible. Because he's the infinite one. Alpha and Omega. Never going to run out of kindness. What a relief this is. It's unflinching. Meaning, in the, in the face of coldness and harshness and betrayal, it's still kind. It's all sufficient. As in, kindness is what he works everything through. Everything is worked through kindness. I mean, he knows Adam has sinned. And yet, what does he do? A kind father does that. Adam, Adam, where are you? Even in that cry, there is kindness, man. And it's restorative. His kindness is restorative. His kindness is restorative. Oh, he's seeking to restore. In the face of coldness, harshness, always seeking to restore. I mean, look at the book of Psalms. eh? Psalm 42. Psalm 42 verse 8. Depends on the version. Um, But many of them, especially the New King James and all say kindness. But in some cases it goes into some other words. Psalm 42 verse 8. By the day the Lord commands his loving kindness. And at night his song is with me. Some versions say steadfast love. By the day the Lord commands his loving kindness and at night his song is with me. Psalm 51.1 Psalm 51.1 Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to your abundant mercy. Psalm 63.3 Psalm 63.3 Because your loving kindness is better than life, so my lips will praise you. Psalm 69, 16. Psalm 69, 16. 
Psalm 69, 16. It's, all those verses are on the top of the page. Psalm 69, 16. Answer me, O Lord, for your loving kindness is good. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me. Psalm 89, 33. Psalm 89, 33. Um, but, I, uh, but I will not remove my loving kindness or be false to my faithfulness. Beautiful verse. Psalm 92, 2. I will declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness at night. Psalm 103 verse 4. He surrounds me with loving kindness and compassion. Psalm 143 8. Psalm 143 8. Let me hear in the morning of your loving kindness, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for you lift up my for I lift up my soul to you. Guys. Tons and tons of verses on loving kindness, see? Eh? And here are some of the things we need to understand about kindness. One, kindness expresses itself in unbidden generosity. Kindness expresses itself in unasked for generosity. How do you know someone is kind? You know someone is kind. <laughs> Last week, um, Jason uh, was coming with me to Suma, so he... <laughs> He says, um, so are you going to pick me up from home? Or I said, can I pick you up from Joyce? And then I thought he asked and I said, can, you, can I pick you up from Joyce's um, uh, Skytrain? And so I went and said to him, hey, Jason, um, um, it's not that I can't pick you up, but I was just, he's saying, you're just being you. <laughs> I, I said, yes. <laughs> the point being, guys... Uh, God's kindness is unbidden. It's not even asked for. What God would do is He would not wait to be asked to be kind. Kindness that the God kind of kindness is unbidden generosity. As with Rebecca, if you go to Genesis 24, you see Rebecca pouring out tons and tons of water for the guy and his camels. Man, it's one thing to get the guy. Um, happy with a few pitchers of water but then those camels drink like crazy man and so she kept pouring out water for those camels the point being that God kind of kindness empties your strength so that someone else will be strengthened God kind of kindness is a kind of kindness that empties your strength so that someone else will be strengthened and it's unbidden nobody needs to ask for it. It's given before it's asked for. And just like Rebecca emptied herself of her strength so that someone else and his camels could be strengthened, so it is with God's kind of kindness. This is what we're called to cultivate, eh? Because Bethesda means house of kindness. Uh, then I, I don't. Uh, after that, everything is a haze. I don't know whether I went and picked him up from his home or from the uh, Skytrain. I, I don't remember clearly. To the best of my knowledge, yeah, I did save him a chair at uh, breakfast and lunch and dinner and stuff like that. Anyways, do you want to go sit somewhere in the back? Okay. Okay. Guys, kindness has no apparent incentive uh, or promised reward as motivation. Kindness has no apparent incentive or motivation of reward uh, as the reason you engage in it. 
It's not dependent on kindness being returned. Very hard thing, eh? Because in this world of tit-for-tat where you do this for me, I'll do that for you, the kindness has no incentive, no reward as motivation. It is uh, not based on whether you will return my kindness or not. Any kindness that expects a return is really not kindness. It's just an obligation you're fulfilling to uh, get something. Kindness... Um, has no apparent incentive or promise, reward as motivation. Here's another thing that we need to understand. Romans chapter 2 verse 4 says, that it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Or in other words, it's the kindness of God that leads someone to change their life or lifestyle. The kindness of God leads to repentance. That's what Romans chapter 2 verse 4 says. Or in other words, it's the kindness of God that leads someone to change their lifestyle. If that is the case, guys, then you and I need to adopt the kindness of God. Uh, and by the way, you can't, you can't engage in kindness without being relational. Someone, someone gave me some money to spend on poor people in a certain nation. And I did that and called them to tell them uh, who I gave it to and how I spent it. And the person wasn't very interested. And as I was having that conversation, I realized that pulling out money and giving it for charity is not necessarily kind. It's just pulling out money and giving it to charity. That kindness has to be relational. This is why Christians cannot live isolated, me and my family existences. It's not possible to be kind when I'm not relational. And so, if it is kindness that leads a person to change their lifestyle, if I adopt God's kind of kindness, now he's in a position to use me to shape other people's destinies or bring about change. If I adopt God's kindness, he's now in a position to use me to bring about a change in someone else's destiny or bring about some kind of a kingdom change in someone else's life. He, Guys, you will find that as you get kinder, God will intertwine your life with other people's lives. As you get kinder, God will intertwine your life with other people's lives. And kindness is always relational. So the more isolated you are, the less you will find your life intertwined with others because it's in relationship that kindness flows. Everything about God is relational. In the Godhead, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit are relational. And in everything he does, he is relational. It's okay being an introverted person because an introvert is someone who gets his energy by being alone and then goes out and expends it. God's kindness? Yeah, kindness always empties... If I'm kind to somebody, I'll have to empty my strength to strengthen the other person. So if I was kind to him that day, I'd have taken the trouble of leaving earlier, driving all the way to wherever he lives, which is very far, and then pick him up, drive all the way back. And I avoided that inconvenience because I did not want to empty my strength to strengthen him. Because I do it in every other area but that. So that... 
that's what I mean. You empty your strength to strengthen someone else. Kindness will always cost, guys. But it should become natural. Kindness will cost, but it must become natural. Because kindness is relational and it has to express itself in some action, right? Actions cost. That's fine. Oh, for in, yeah. Um, and the kinder you get, you'll find that God begins to intertwine your life with others. Because everything about God flows through the avenue of kindness. So kinder I get, the more I'll find that God is intertwining my life with others because now He can flow because I'm taking on a chief characteristic of His. So someone can be highly gifted and God will send you for 20 minutes into a church to minister with your giftings and then He'll take you home. As in, take you back to your house. But but when you're kind, he begins to intertwine your life as you're going up the elevator, as you're walking the street with your dog or your kid, um, or whatever you're doing now, it becomes intertwined. Yeah. And by the way, uh, um, Proverbs 12.10 actually says that a righteous man is kind to his animals. Yeah, animals includes cats. Uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, I know they're a whole different species altogether, but we shall put them under animals for now. <laughs> Proverbs twelve ten actually says that that a righteous man is kind to his animals, and and know this, guys. Once you begin to become kind, and as I said, he intertwines your life with others. Here's the other thing that will happen. Kindness brings the helpless around the pool of Bethesda to the threshold of an encounter with God. Kindness brings the helpless around the pool of Bethesda to the threshold of an encounter with God. It's impossible for someone to keep receiving your kindness and not become aware of the God who has made you thus. Impossible. Yeah. Kindness will bring the helpless around the pool of Bethesda to the threshold of an encounter with your God. It opens doors, man. Kindness opens the doors of people's hearts. And your kindness will be tested by coldness, by hostility. Uh, It will be tested. But don't back off, guys. You are the children of him who is super kind. So when your kindness is tested in the face of coldness, hostility and hurt, excel in it and show more of it. Because otherwise, like Paul, what good is it if you only are kind to those that are kind to you, Jacob? Even the pagans do that. Big deal. Excel in kindness in the face of hostility, hurt and coldness. In fact, the greatest thing, yeah, yeah, Ah, we'll go there too. Kindness will not spotlight deficiencies. Kindness will not spotlight deficiencies when evaluating someone else's character. Kindness does not spotlight deficiencies. Kindness is aware of it, but it will not spotlight deficiencies. I remember when my, I, I know I've shared this before, when my little niece was here, 
um, I had gone out, came home, and she broke a plane of mine. Like, you know how precious those plane models are to me. It's the only thing I have in my will that I might give to some of you. So um, she had broken one of them. And uh, she was so scared, man, because she knew how important those were and expensive those were. And when I got home, um, my sister and the rest of the kids were there, but she was in a little room on the side and she wouldn't come out. And no one's telling me why. They said, ask her. So then finally my sister whispered what had happened. And so I went into the room and she was thinking that I'll be upset. And one of the things I told her is, Hannah, I want you to know that you can break anything in this house, but you'll never, ever have to be afraid of me ever being upset with you for the rest of your life. That you can break anything of mine, anything in this house, and you've got to be absolutely sure that I will never be upset with you for the rest of your life. Oh, what a relief on that little girl's face, man. Because, guys, sometimes the deepest cuts are reserved for the ones closest to us, eh? That's the shame of it. We are kind to people who we meet once every 10 days, because it's easy, it's only a two-minute meeting. But the deepest cuts are reserved for those that are closest to us. And like everything else, kindness must start in Jerusalem, as in your home and the ones closest to you. When my mom came last time, um, I guess it's not a secret because most men and women do it. Um, She was dyeing her hair and uh, for some reason it went all over the uh, sink and uh, bathtub and all. And when I came home, I could see that my mom was thinking, Jacob will have something to say about it because it's pretty hard to take away. And I remember going in there and looking at it and uh, I came out and I remember telling my mom, Oh, man, were you dying your hair? And she said, yeah. I said, don't worry about it. I'll clean it up later. And I walked away. And she's looking at me like confused. Because she's seen me getting irritated for less. Is this my Pardon? Is this my son? Yeah, she, she was looking like, uh, what's happened to my son? And today's not even Sunday. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, it was a very deliberate thing. I saw it all and I realized that it's terrible when people have to walk on eggshells around you guys. Uh, and I, I'm so sad when that happens to people around me, where people have to walk on eggshells around me. I feel really bad. This is just an act of kindness. Yeah. I feel really bad when people have to walk on eggshells around me because it means that there is something about me that makes them afraid. And it's usually fear has to do with torment and with unkindness. And that is why I remember that day walking out of the washroom saying, I mean, it's perfectly all right. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it later. As if it was a non, um, non, non-issue. And the deepest cuts are reserved for those close to us. We've got to change in this. Kindness must begin at home. Because um, the greatest thing a man can do for the father, the greatest thing a man can do for the father is to be kind to one of his other children. <sighs> The greatest thing a man can do for the father, the greatest thing that I, Jacob, can do for the father is to be kind to one of his other children or one of his other creations. Don't limit it to Christians. Kindness is not a Christian thingy. It's a God thingy. I remember telling you about this incident where at a church I was in the past, this woman used to come and make fun of me after every service. Uh, crack a joke at my expense and get a few people around her to laugh. And finally, there was two weeks left for me to leave the church. And I thought, okay, 
I know enough about this woman to rip her to pieces. I've got two weeks left, so let's go for it. So she came and she gathered a little uh, group around her and she started making fun of me. And I'm thinking to myself, I've prepared for this and I'm going to give it back to her. And I'm waiting for her to finish. I'm uh, feeling the Spirit of God saying, let it be. And so I let it be. And they laughed and I was driving back. And as I was driving back down this road, I was telling the father, Father, that is so unfair, but I had this thing prepared and you stopped me. I mean, what about me? Uh, she made fun of me and you know how bad I felt. And so, and then for a moment I paused and I heard what he said. He said, Jacob, thank you for being kind to one of my daughters. I'm going past and my eyes are full of tears. I'm thinking to myself, you get happy with such a small thing. I can do this for you anytime you want, Father. I was driving by saying, Father, I'll do this any day for you. If this is all it takes to thrill your heart that I was kind to your daughter when she was mean to me, I'll do it hundreds of times, Father. No big deal. But the pleasure it brought the Father when he said, thank you for being kind to one of my daughters. I thought of him as a wow, Father, any day. The greatest thing you can do for the father is to be kind to one of his children. Practice this, guys, and let it start at home, eh? Because that's the hardest place for it to start. And here's another question. In Jeremiah 2, 2, depending on the version, it says, Thus says the Lord, I remember the kindness of your youth. I remember the kindness of your youth. So here's a question I want to ask you. Are you kind to God? Are you kind to God? What is it in the last one week that God can look back and say, Ah, Jacob, you were so kind to me in that situation. If I am kind to one of Jason and Mariana's kids, do you think they will look at me and say, Oh, he was so kind to Tavis. They will, right? Yeah, they will. (laughs) That took a while. (laughs) I don't know if it's a reflection on you being kind or... Will they really say it? But let's say it's, will they really say it? So here's the thing, guys. If they will see my kindness, if I'm kind to the children, the question is, did God see you as kind during the last one week? During the last one week, did God say, ah, shucks, Elmo was so kind to me? Because there's nothing we can do for him directly, but we can do for him tons of things indirectly. The question needs to be asked, are you kind to God? Are you kind to God? May this be a week where you're kind to God. When I'm traveling, I'll be kind to someone. Which doesn't necessarily mean I'll give up my window seat, but there are other ways to be kind. (laughs) I did once give up my window seat. There were these two uh, young girls, must be 13 or 14, and uh, they asked for the window seat, and I looked at them and I thought, gosh, got to get up the way they're looking at me and asking for the window seat. And so, like a young guy that I was, I got up and (laughs) gave them my seat. And then they just stamped all over my kindness by turning to me and saying, thank you, uncle, thank you, uncle. (laughs) Now, why it is funny is because the word uncle in India is used for really old people. (laughs) And here I was feeling like a young guy who's, Sure, go ahead, kind of a thing. And they went, thank you, uncle. That destroyed everything. My name is Jason. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> we'll always get people from the Okanagan or from some island to come and join us. <laughs> On the days Mark is not there, we'll go for the other mat. <laughs> Guys, the last bit I want to say is the kindness of God dismantles the oppression of the kingdom of darkness. The kindness of God dismantles the oppression of the kingdom of darkness. Of the kingdom of darkness. The kindness of God dismantles the oppression of the kingdom of darkness. I'll explain it. This is so cool. The kindness of God dismantles the oppression of the kingdom of darkness in your life and then later on in someone else's life. So, guys, remember this. Eh? In every storm, regardless of whether it's a small storm or a big storm, it doesn't matter. A storm is a storm and it's never pleasant. In every storm... God invites you to come into the secret place of his kindness. In every storm, God invites you to come into the secret place of his kindness. In every storm, God invites you to come into the secret place of his kindness. This is why children don't even wait for an invitation. Frighten them. I mean, you've seen it when Roxanne goes walking here and I do that. What does she do? Unlike uh, that other lady, what's her name? Rhonda. Unlike Rhonda, she goes running back to her mum. Why? In every storm, you run to the kindest place of refuge, the safest place of refuge. So, in every storm, God invites you to come into the secret place of his kindness. And if you respond, he will command his kindness or direct his kindness to mount guard over you. I mean, yesterday I was driving to Surrey um, and uh, there was a situation that was happening that was really troubling me. And as I was driving, I was saying to myself, I, I, could, li I could literally hear God saying, hey, you want to step into my kindness? Because I'm kind, I can take care of the situation. I know it better than anybody else. I'm really protective of you, Jacob. I'm really kind. I'm your friend. Come. And so as I'm driving, I'm telling the Lord, okay, Father, here I come to hide in your kindness because your kindness will protect me and take care of the situation. In every storm, God is inviting you to step into his kindness. And if you respond, he will command or direct that kindness to mount guard over you. Mount guard over you. And kind, go ahead, Matt. Yeah. So um, yesterday, what happened was um, a, a situation where there was financial stress, and praise God, it got solved. So uh, it was, and I had to, I had a deadline, and I had to meet uh, things by that deadline. And praise God, it worked out. But here's the thing, guys. In that stress, here was God saying, I know you are panicking, but why don't you allow, why don't you come into and rest in my kindness? I'm aware of it, Jacob. I can take care of this. I'm your friend. I'm a kind friend. Come, come, come under my canopy of kindness. Once you step in there, when you experience God's kindness, you can enter into peace. To enter into peace, experience God's kindness. What happens is we go to God and want his peace, but we don't think he is kind. How can you be at peace in the presence of someone who is not kind? 
or who is not able or who is not willing. It's not possible. A lot of us try to want, we say, you're the prince of peace, peace, give me peace. And yet, even though we are going to him for peace, we don't think he is kind. And therefore, the peace is a struggle. And you've got to quote, keep quoting scriptures. Kids, when they jump into their mom's arms, don't keep saying, you're my mother. In you I trust. You're my mother. You will not let me down. You're my mother. You won't let go. They never say stuff like that. They jump into those arms and then they don't care. Why? Because they're so confident of the mother's kindness. And that's what I'm talking about, guys. Where when you begin to experience the kindness of God, you're able to rest in His peace because you have this assurance that He is your father and friend who is kind I are taken care of. It allows you to enter into this place of peace. Last statement I want to make and then we are done. And uh, then you can just send me and we are done. Uh, guys, there's this beautiful verse in Psalm 143. It says, Hear His loving kindness in the morning. Hear His loving kindness in the morning. Hear His loving kindness in the morning. Remember we did that teaching on first things first. Get up and go listen for. David said, cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning. First things first, go and listen to his kindness. Father, I want to hear your kindness this morning. Where God will begin to either speak or sing. or I mean, today, this morning when I went to him and said, uh, I want to hear your loving kindness. That's when this song happened. And that's why you'll see that the song list doesn't have what a friend we have in Jesus. I had to insert that separately, but it's not on the song list. Why? Because today, this morning when I was going to God and saying, Father, I want to hear your loving kindness this morning. That's when this hymn that I haven't sung for uh, as long as um, Matt and Rachel have been alive came to mind. Uh, uh, What a friend I have in you, Jesus. That's why I changed the words. What a friend I have in you, Jesus. What a friend I have in you. You hear his loving kindness. And now it helps you meet the day. Because you know that you now have his peace mount God over you. Because you know you're safe in his kind arms. You don't have to quote scripture. You don't have to exert faith. Faith becomes a thing of grace. Enjoy. Hey, I'll miss you guys, eh?